Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norton. I'm joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. Andrew Brooker. Evening, gents. And Brian Plank. Good evening. As we have a look at the last week in film, including a main uh, release review uh, of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and a spoiler alert section for that. But we've got all usual bits and pieces first, except news. Nothing's happened. But we've got a quiz, which I could win this week, make Owen watch something awful. Yeah, um, you said it was great. You said it was great earlier. Yeah, from from my point of view. From your perspective. Yeah. yeah it's not an actual great, like a classic movie. No, it's not Gone with the Wind <laughs> or something. Oh, well, that would be terrible anyway, but okay. I made it's Gone with the Wind then. <laughs> no, uh, so, yeah, so like I said, we've got the... The Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two to to do at the end, but um, Owen, why don't you start us off with the quiz then, which is me winning two one, me answering questions against Brian and Andrew Brooker in the blockbusters format. Did you forget my name for a second there? Steve? Almost. <laughs> I, I don't know why I first named you. I never do. Could have, could have called you Andy. Oh God, no! Been, uh, the end of it. There's a, there's a nice little button here that says "Hang Up." when that happens <laughs> what about Drew oh god no <laughs> I had someone at work who called me Andy for like a year and I said I'm not called Andy I said, oh sorry Andrew <laughs> <laughs> not even close shall I do a quiz then yeah go on yes mm, yes right. now we're here all right okay so five questions um they're all true or false so uh true. Brian and Brooke <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Ryan and Brooker, you are working as a pair. Steve, you're on your own. And you can go first, Steve, with your first oh. guess. Isn't that, so, isn't that true of all, question, all questions? The answer's either true or false. Um, no. What's two plus two? Well, I did that without. Yeah. Four, which is true. But it's not... <laughs> that's, not a tr- that's not true or false, though, is it? It's, it's a number. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not maths questions. Today on Fail Critics, D develops an understanding of the universe. <laughs> mm. um, true or false, Steve? In the comics, Drax was originally a Hulk like human called Arthur Douglas, who would turn into a big, blue, angry man who had knives that grew out of his hands. I think that's false. Okay, I think it's false. And. Brian and Brooke up. Drax was human, I'm pretty sure on that one. I, I've got a comic book guy on my team. This is awesome. I don't have to do a thing. <laughs> so you think. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go for true. And it's false. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he originally was a human called Arthur Douglas, uh, who was killed by Thanos and then had his spirit imported into a new powerful body by Thanos' dad, mentor, and the Titan god Kronos, because Thanos was seen as a threat. Isn't that very exciting? Um, first point to Steve. Brian and Brooker, your turn to guess first this time. At one point in the comics, Star-Lord had a men- memory chip in his brain which gave him 100% total recall. True or false? Not a clue. I'm pulling your face, it says, probably could be a thing. 
It does sound very comic booky. Bearing in mind that Quill's been around since 1970-something. Which version of Total Recall was it? Colin Farrell. Brian Cranston. Right? <laughs> he, he just remembers Colin Farrell and Brian Cranston. <laughs> and he's making his breakfast and going, oh, I wish I had three hands, but doesn't quite remember why. <laughs> uh, okay, so are you saying true or false? I'm saying true. Yeah, true. All right, Steve? Yeah, true. Oh, and it's 2-1 to Steve. Yes. Okay, so you'll turn to guess uh, first again then, Steve. See, in mm. theory now, if I just mm-hmm. say what they say, I can't lose. Apart from the fact you're going first here, mate, that's a bit of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's, yeah, good point. True or false, Steve? Matthew McConaughey, Liam Neeson and Christoph Waltz were considered for the role of Ego in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 who was eventually played by Kurt Russell. I think that's false. I think Kurt Russell was also always in mind for it. Okay, Brian Brooker? Oh, I don't know. Christoph Waltz, probably not. Liam Neeson, probably not. That said, my pal showed me the extras with Liam Neeson in it. And now I can't take him seriously after that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I I would have said true if you hadn't said Christoph Waltz. I will probably say false because you said that. I don't don't believe Christoph Waltz. And you are both... Incorrect. Really? It's true. Mm-hmm. Matthew McConaughey, Liam Neeson, Christoph Waltz, Viggo Mortensen, and Gary Oldman were considered for the role before Kurt Russell. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> question four, and it is Brian Brooker, your turn to guess first. Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell have appeared in three movies together. True or false? Uh, it, it is including this one. Through, through their entire history of working in films. So that includes this film? Yes. Fucking hell, mate, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, shit. Uh, what would they have been? They, yeah, there must have been There must have been a third. From the two I can think of, there must have been a third. You know, the, the two you can think of is, is creating this one as well. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll go for two. Uh, no, 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 we'll go for true. Yeah. Okay, and Steve? I'm going to say true as well. It's <laughs> false. There were only two. Really? Only two, yeah. This one and what else? Tango and Cash. Yep, Tango Ooh. and Cash. So, Steve, you are currently 2-1 up, and you are first to guess on this last question. So you either win, or we go to a tie break. Okay. So, true up, false. Stanley passed on the opportunity to cameo in the original Guardians of the Galaxy so that he could have a recurring character in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and 3. True or false? Stan Lee? Mm-hmm. That's false. Is it? Okay. And Brian and Brooker? Uh... Yeah, it's false, because he was in Guardians of the Galaxy. He was uh, the bit where Rocket and Groot meet Quill. Correct. He's yeah, on he, was on, he was on like planet. a... Pr- Bridge thing, wasn't he? Talking to, Talking to, to a young lady. young lady. He was, yeah. It was a kind of a trick question. So you both get a point, and that means Steve, you win, and you get Excellent. to tell me this great film that you've got for me. As it's a, a kind of superhero Marvel uh, week. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the 1990 version of Captain America? I have. You have. It's by a guy called Albert Pyon, 
And if you or Pion, if you remember, I did a whole segment about. I him. don't remember half the drivel that comes out of your mouth. <laughs> he does dodgy cyborg movies. <laughs> it's actually right, not bad. It's okay. It's not. Uh, it's not bad. Well, I'll watch it again happily. If that's no, your I'll choice. find. I'll find something else by the time we finish. <laughs> okay. So inspired by one of the trailers we saw at Guardians of the Galaxy and the fact that the new film's coming out soon, uh, we've decided to start going through the Pirates of the Caribbean movies again. So today, I sat and watched Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. So... For like the four people that have been living on the rocks and don't know what Pirates of the Caribbean is, it's a pirate film based on a ride at Disneyland starring Johnny Depp and a bunch of other morons that I don't really care about. <laughs> Swashbuckling their way through two and a half hours of Gore Verbinski Disney movie. Now, two... It sounds amazing. Tell me more, Brooke. Uh, oh, yeah. This sounds fantastic. Well, <laughs> no, okay. It's, uh, I'm, I'm being glib and very unfair i really like the pirates of the caribbean films i sat and watched it this afternoon just with a huge grin on my face the entire time because it's just so stupid and so much fun i i forgot how much i really liked johnny depp as just drunken pirate i think he's great i think it's probably the best thing johnny depp's done that isn't fear and loathing in las vegas uh Everybody else, though, apart from Jeffrey Rush, who I quite like. Everybody else is he's just... He's great in this. He's brilliant in it. But Jeffrey Rush is brilliant in most things I think I've seen him in. I just wanted to be spun off into his own Captain Barbosa film. That would be kind of cool. That would be kind of cool. But no, everybody else is just very... Nah. Like, Keira Knightley, I couldn't give a toss about. Orlando Bloom, I forgot he looked so young. <laughs> to be honest. I mean, he looks like he's about 12. And then somehow he's like 25 by the time the film ends. Like this whole growing up thing that he does is bizarre. But I have to admit, because I didn't realise, I mean, what is it, 2004-ish? Must be. Yeah, probably. It came out when I was at uni, and the year after it came out, when I was my final year, my local cinema was doing midnight showings on a Wednesday. It was Pirates of the Caribbean for four weeks in a row. Bloody hell. Because for four weeks in a row, they were sold out and people were queuing down the street. Jesus. I have to admit, for a film that old, I have the, the CGI in it, the uh, the ghost pirate guys, the cursed pirates, actually I thought all of it looked really, really cool. You know, I, I, like I say, Depp was great, Jeffrey Rush was fun, awesome CGI. And the fucking music, holy shit. I forgot how good the music in that film was. Like, it's got Hans Zimmer's fingerprints all over it, but it is so, yeah, so part good. Of the, part of the theme is pretty much the theme from The Rock. Yes. Yeah, there's, there's a bit... Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it happens during the film as well, but during the credits, because well, I just left it running, and a bit of music kicked in, and it was absolutely The Rock. You know, it it was the rocks, but the bit of music from the rock. Same way as the music from the rock is also in the middle of Bad Boys. Like he's taken those same like five or six bars and dropped them into all of his films. But it was okay. I sat the kid down to watch it as well because I thought because she quite likes these weird ghosty films. Like she really likes Ghostbusters and she likes 
she, she wants she always wants to watch more grown-up films than just the cartoons that we have an abundance of on Blu-ray. So we sat her down to watch it as well. And apart from the fact that it's two and a half hours long enough to make my ass itch staring at the fucking screen, she fucking loved it as well. Like didn't didn't jump at the scary scarier bits. Yeah, really, really cool. I was I'm quite looking forward to watching the other three now and then going to watch number five. They've never really done anything for me, the Pirates of the Caribbean films. I mean, I think like most people watched them because Jack Sparrow was this crazy character and everyone said it was really funny and stuff. So I guess he kind of was. But then I I think I watched one of the sequels and I was like, I'm just done with this. It, it does, it does get... more time on these. I mean, the, they do have diminishing returns. They're, the, mm-hmm. you know, two, three and four are nowhere near as good as number one. Uh, I was disappointed in the very small cameo that Chow Yun-Fat has in number three. <laughs> uh, but I was quite happy to have Ian McShane turn up as Blackbeard in number four. So, swings and roundabouts. I, I, I like the first two and the, the other two just a bit... <sighs> yeah. They're definitely, um, you know, cynical cash-ins. There's no two ways about that. Maybe, <laughs> But maybe, it's, maybe this one's been long enough since the, the last one but it's not kind of boring anymore. Like, the shtick was getting just a bit old. Yeah, I have to admit, I never found them boring. I never got bored watching them. I haven't watched number four since I saw it at the cinema. And I remember really liking it, but I haven't watched it since. For no other reason than I just haven't gotten around to it. They they always seem relatively inventive. Like, one and two. One felt original. Two felt like they'd gone up. What did one do? Let's turn it up to 11. Three was just super convoluted, and I lost track of who was double dealing on who and what. Yeah. The plant. And four seemed like a non entity. And the, of course. It's the, one, it's the one with Penelope Cruz in it. Yeah. And, and of course, the worst of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies is the Lone Ranger one. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but that fell flat, didn't it? <laughs> save it, save it. Everyone, I've got a pirate joke. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not going to do it. When you go then, is it <laughs> no. what's a pirate's favourite letter? No. I don't know what is a favourite uh, Don't. Yeah. <laughs> what is a pirate's favourite letter? Oh. you got to say Someone's it. Someone's meant to guess R. And say, you might think that, but actually, his first letter is a C. <laughs> but you, again, we're, we're not landing comedy on this one. Put a, put a spin on that, didn't you? Why are pirates called pirates? What they just are. Yeah. There's a, do you ever watch Third Rock from the Sun? Only yeah. going back about 25 years, and John, uh, or Dick turns up to a fancy dress costume. Oh, yeah. the pirate, but he's mm-hmm. on his own. And says, why, Dick, where are your buccaneers? They're under my bucket hat! Yep. <laughs> Quality. Well, any more pirate jokes? No. 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 <laughs> Exhausted them That'll do. Uh, Brian, what have you seen then? Oh, just in a very short pirate theme, I've been watching, and it's just finished, Black Sails, which is on Amazon Video. And it's pirates. If you like bloodshed and long plots that actually advance and come together and fit in beautifully and double dealing and tits and political machinations, it's the most fun. Hold on, you uh, said you said got, tits, right? I'm adding it to my list now. They've got um, oh, what's his name? Big Northern lad played Punisher, played Titus Pullo in Rome, played Volstagg and Thor. Ray Jimmy Winston. Dale. 
not Ray Winston. Ray no. Stevenson. Uh, yes. yes. Yeah. He's Blackbeard. <laughs> and he's bloody good at it. If you like men who just growl at each other to show their masculinity. But <laughs> yeah. that's how that's the only way they communicate. Just because they're men. Grant Mitchell. Pretty much. But there's someone who does it like even lower, so your voice must just be sandpaper. Um Black Sails is tons of fun. It's completed and it's had an actual satisfying conclusion. The the finale was a few weeks ago and it makes sense as an end to the whole it's partly a prologue for Treasure Island, sort of. It's partly based on real pirates, it's partly bringing its own stuff. Um so is that it that it's finished completely? Yeah, four seasons, done. And it's all, if anyone's read Treasure Island, it's all about Captain Flint's gold. And the entire four seasons are about getting your hands on this gold, losing this gold. Now you've got the gold, what do you do with it? How does having the huge prize change a city and society? What can you do when you have this? And it looks at what makes a story, what makes a man. There's lots of quite good introspective bits and characters saying or analysing themselves. It's quite clever and I, I'm surprised that it's not been made more of. It appeared on Stars in the US, which is guys not that, a network I know anything well, they're, about. They're the guys that done Spartacus and more recently American Gods. Yeah, so oh, right. it, they've got a decent pedigree. I was certain that when I started watching it, it was HBO, because it's got that same incredibly long intro that Rome and Westworld have, and it's the same high quality. Um, like, it looks beautiful. It's shot on location in South Africa, so if you watch South African TV, you'll go, oh, it's her. If you watch some British stuff, you go, oh, it's him. And it's top quality. I was going to talk about a film, but I want Black Seals now. <laughs> Owen, what have you seen? Uh, I have watched a film from 1953, which is directed by George Stevens, which is called Shane. Um, it's a Western. I watched it a few years back. I thought it was okay. Not great. Just kind of, you know, 50s Western-y. Um, I didn't really see it as being particularly different or uh, unusual or... Or even like original within that whole 50s genre of studio-led westerns that were like churned out, you know, 10 at a time. But uh, I, I kind of had to revise my opinion of it somewhat uh, because of um, we had a, a class on it in film studies, which is all about westerns. So I thought I'd, I'd give it another another go. I'd watch it again and see if I could take something different from it. Um and I think I have this time. I think I found more in it that I quite liked than the, the previous attempt. Uh, so it tells the story of the stranger called Shane, who's played by the tiny, tiny Alan Ladd, who's shot from very low camera angles, partly like to give you the view of Shane from like the young boy's perspective in the story, but also because he's a teeny, tiny man. Um, so it makes him look bigger. But in the beginning, like Shane rides down from the hills and across the plains before uh, he meets a small family of homesteaders. Turns out the homesteaders are being chased off their property by a rancher and his cronies, 
but then it's like slightly more complicated than that. So there is a lot more to it than uh, I think I appreciated the first time around. Because I think what ha- what helped this time was you need the like the context to understand the film in, and I probably it probably didn't work for me quite so much when I last watched it for, for that reason. Because in the context of a billion westerns that are all coming out at the same time all year round, it kind of has to have something more going on to to sort of stand the test of time the way that Shane has, because it's one of these films that's always pushed as like a, a seminal western movie. Uh, and I think what makes it stand out is how. Uh, it has Shane represent the the myth of the Western hero. So, I mean, that happens all the time anyway. You know, one character represents something else. So whether it's a cowboy or a gunslinger or like a, a, a marshal or like sheriff, I guess is the obvious one. Whatever it like might be, they essentially always mean something else. And what this has is Shane as a unrequired uh, relic of the past. So rather than just being an, this this hero, hero who you are supposed to emulate and want to be like, uh, I think it kind of shows him he is the he is he does play the heroic character in this, but he's also not necessary. And I think that's slightly different to to the other westerns from the era that I've seen. Um, so like another thing that has Shane as like to to go with that metaphor, you see him descend down from. The mountains at the beginning of the film. He rides across the desert plains um, and arrives at the new modern America, which is still just like a small group of homesteaders. But uh, and he does the things that they're too civilized to do, like shoot people, basically. And then at the end, he ascends back from whence he came, goes back into the mountains, and he's probably dead or he's dying uh, after like fulfilling his purpose. So it's a Jesus metaphor. Possibly, yeah. Could be possibly a Jesus metaphor. Last that I read Shane when I was 13, 14. He did it in school. Okay. What did you think? It was easy to talk about because it was big on this as a symbol. Mm-hmm. This stump symbolises a thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't remember but... what the th- like, it, <laughs> I remember it was easy. You could get your head around symbolism mm-hmm. as a a 14-year-old and go, this is what it's about. It's simple and it's accessible and it it's a good story about... It's a bit like Tesco Valley Western. Mm. I know what you mean, yeah. The film's the same. I haven't read the book, but the film does the same thing. You know, it's it, it has this, like, morally ambiguous uh, good guys and bad guys, right? Because, you know, the homesteaders are effectively just turning up on some guy's land and planting their roots and diverting all of his water away from him and stuff. So actually they're being really... Uh, pests. Pests, yeah. And so he hires in a guy to come and shoo them off the land or hires in groups of guys and stuff. So then you, it's quite... Well, who who is the bad guy, really? You've got the range owner who's killing people but trying to do it legally as well. Like, he provokes the attacks and stuff. But you've also got the homesteaders who are being terrorised by this horrible man who's just taken claim to the land. And so, I mean, pff, is it a Shane's free America? A, a, and Shane's a good dude, even though he, he comes up to, like, kill people. Yeah, yeah, he's precisely. Just, well, I'm doing the things that society won't allow to happen. Exactly, he's and still a good for And I take for everybody else. He's like a Wolverine. Mm. With a capital yeah, yeah. W. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
yeah, I think, it, and he's also flirting a lot with the uh, main guy's wife, whose name I've just suddenly forgotten. Um, and so there's that kind of like he comes in and he's there to save them, but also break up society as well. Like he can't help if he's there too long, society will just descend into chaos because the women want him, the men start to hate him, and the young boys try to emulate him because he's a cool gunslinging killer, basically. It's like how society needs baddies, but need, baddies it, that we can control and can chip off. Or not even. I think it's it's probably more about like not committing to good and bad. I think it's just that they aren't, even though they're painted as goodies, you know, you've got very obvious um, uh, illustrations of that in the film because Shane wears white and Jack Palance, who's the, the uh, villain in so many words, he's wearing black. So it's good and bad. That's what it's supposed to look like. But actually, yeah, but when you get to learn about it, they're actually just the same. Um, the homesteaders are the goodies, or painters are the goodies, aren't they? Because... She bakes an apple pie, and that's pure all Americanism. Good American, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot. You're right. You're right. There's lots of symbolism in it. So what I found from doing so this is when you could still equate goodies and Americans together. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yes, I saw Prisoners this week, the 2013 film from Dennis Villeneuve, um, with Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal, Terence Howard, and about uh, child abduction and invest- investigation into to their whereabouts and parents trying to find them and um, so Hugh Jackman plays the parents of a, of a missing of a dad of a missing girl and um, Jake Gyllenhaal is the detective who is leading the, the the case to find the girl and her friend who also went missing at the same time and. I can't remember the last time I saw Hugh Jackman in a film where he wasn't a superhero or singing. Uh, Real Steel? Um, have I seen Re- Real Steel? Oh, Real Steel's I think good. I have. I like. I think oh, I have. No, why? Right. You, you must have watched an illegal film. No, I've not seen it. What? I, I just missed it when it was in the cinema. It's just passed me by. Uh, but anyway, yeah, he's, he's really good in this. It's kind of someone becomes more unhinged and more... Desperate as his um, is the more time his daughter's missing, um, he gets quite unstable. He kidnaps the guy who is the lead suspect, but the police don't have enough evidence and let him go. Um, and yeah, he just becomes more and more a scary character. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal is his usual brilliant self as the lead detective who. Doesn't seem to really engage with anyone on a personal level, but he, by all accounts, according to the story, a very good detective. Never, not never lost a case, but he's never messed up. Gets everything right all the time. Um, the the climax is is good, but it does get a little bit silly, I think. But there's a few twists. I think it works really well. I think everyone's on top form in it. Yeah, I'm sure it's been spoken about to death before. It's a pretty good film. Time now for our um, main review, which is of the new release, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, 
the latest installment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, franchise and the sequel, obviously, to the very successful original Guardians of the Galaxy movie where um, the the gang will get back together in this film for some japes across space. Yeah, That's I about suppose. how much I can introduce <laughs> it without giving away anything as a spoiler. Hmm. Japes I mean, in space! You know, what else can you say about the plot without giving away... Uh, anything pretty, is a spoiler. Yeah, pretty really. much everything is a spoiler after that, really. The, well, you can say that they're being pursued by, uh, like, a, what's, what's her name? The character's name? She's like Golden Space Queen, I think I described her in the review that I wrote on the website. Yeah. And actually bumps into a guy called Ego, which this stranger, played by Kurt Russell, who uh, his mere presence basically upsets the balance of their family this, this group of misfits i think that's, that's family inter- which is very fitting after fast and the furious last week well there were lots of comparisons between fast and furious and this that i that just got vin diesel in there it's got vin diesel and kurt russell yeah vin diesel showing his great range i'd like to think <laughs> hmm. he thought he right. could say i am groot in so many different ways doesn't he get he get a script where Groot's words are in English, so he knows how to emote saying "I am Groot." That's true. He does. Yeah. Ah, oh, I didn't know that. That's quality. Yeah, he knows what they're supposed to be, so he just said, "Yeah, it's it is quality." I think it's a really nice. To, only him and James Gunn had that script as well. Nobody else gets to see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he he knows how he's meant to be saying those three words. The, the, just whilst we're on the subject of like the CGI and stuff, Kurt Russell when they younger ah, him, can we, we? How weird was that? We really need to stop that shit. I mean, but, Michael Douglas wait. in Ant Man was fucking bizarre. No, but they, apparently this wasn't CGI. Yeah, it was makeup. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. the same makeup guy has in twenty two years. Just said, hold on. I know. I know his face. <laughs> I know his face. Yeah. It's, Let me do it. That was so, so weird. He just needed an eye patch and some stubble. Yeah. It would have, uh, yeah. Before before we tell everyone how much we liked it or disliked it, um, probably make it clear, we will do spoiler alert for this later so we can talk about it in more detail. Yeah, so this is yeah. going to be spoiler-free, then the credits, and then yeah. we'll have the spoiler alert as as new. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, so we can be quite vague about Kurt Russell because, as you sort of said, Steve, as when he's as ego, the character ego, it, you can't really explain too much about his background without straying into uncomfortably spoiler territory. I think because it's better to just not know anything about him. Yeah, but other than no. other than the fact, Kurt Russell's fucking badass. As yeah, well. yes, we've we've got that, so we know what's happening. Japes in space. Mm-hmm. And yes, yeah, so where were we? Yeah, it's very good, very enjoyable. Not as not as good as the first one. Um, for me, the plot was weaker, and the villain was weaker. But apart from that, it was very good. Perhaps funnier than the first one. A lot of fun, visually brilliant. It's just the kind of film you probably can tell that the the cast have fun making it, and that is is positive in this whereas the cast making oceans 14 enjoying themselves makes her a shit film <laughs> mm. <laughs> i enjoyed it. i really thought 
it was a lot of fun. There are bits where I laughed out loud, bits where I laughed louder than anybody else in the cinema, which is slightly uncomfortable. It's a bit embarrassing when that happens, isn't it? Well, it all depends. If it's a joke about a zoom, that's fine. (laughs) If it's the first one, and it's a joke about Quill jizzing all over the ship, that's less fine. Um, (laughs) But I, I thought in the first five minutes, oh, no. The opening sequence... I thought that was really obnoxious. Really? Oh, did you? Yeah. I adored it. it. I thought it was great. I loved the fucking, I was like, yeah, yeah, it's great. But it it felt a little bit of, quote, worked well. Well, we'll do more of that. And Mr. Blue Sky just seems to be overdone. Like, oh, it's a happy time. We'll put on Mr. Blue Sky. I thought, oh, this could be uninspired. And then after that, it just became really good. Like once the credit stopped, and you you got back to Drax showing that he's got not quite learning difficulties, but an inability to think. And Gamora and Quill saying, "But well, skin's the same thickness all the way through. What's he going to do?" Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, I really want to see when it comes out on Blu-ray, just a five-minute cut of Dave Bautista laughing, because when that happens, it just makes the film. Think about how dull he was in whatever that last Bond film was, Spectre, mm-hmm. where all he had to do was just look grim and hard, and how much fun he is as Drax. Basically his entire WWE career, is what you're saying. Well, in WWE he was just like big and hard and the beast. Like he was in, in Bond. Yeah, which is rubbish. Mm-hmm. But he's the most fun as Drax. Yeah, because like, he's got I'm, good I'm comic timing, with doesn't a massive he? Grin. Oh, he's got incredible comic timing. Mm-hmm. And delivery of things like... He's great at deadpanning. He's great at... He does that laugh. If, that laugh where only he finds everything funny. I think he's yes. brilliant. It's it's one of his best bits, or one of his, that character's best uh, traits. It's just that laugh is amazing. Do you not think well, they kind of over-egged the pudding this time, though, with, with Drax? Because he... He had so many one-liners, or well, not even one line, just like quips and things that just. I thought there was a high percentage of them worked, but there were lots that I thought could have been cut because they just felt completely flat. There were a couple that were a bit cringeworthy. Uh, even I sat there and went, "Oh, that's a bit." Hmm. But you know, I, I I know at least one person that said the same thing about the sheer amount of baby Groot stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're overcutening the film. Well, it didn't bother me. I thought I thought Groot was great. I thought Drax was great. I, I I genuinely I came out and apart from the soundtrack, I can't think of a single actual proper problem I've got with that entire film. I thought they really messed up Pete to Quill. I thought considering the storyline is meant to you know evolve his character. To, to a certain, I thought it was pretty ordinary, and I think half of the the issue was with Chris Pratt. I just thought he was just a wet blanket in this. It, 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 all the charisma that he had in the original, you know, the the, the fact that he was so um, funny and uh, you you kind of rooted for him in the first one because he was a a, a, a sort of layabout but a likable guy at the yeah. same time. In this, he he was just boring, generic, you know, hero one hundred and one, and all the the conflict he had just felt forced. I didn't think any of it was. Um, I think you're, you're definitely well. you're definitely right there. The it, it felt completely crowbarred in. 
and you kind of went, oh, "You've, I don't like this conflict, I don't like the way it's ended, and I don't like how they've developed part of his character, and then it ended like that. I'm like, oh, okay. I did. Yeah. They put, it, they it, put it, a lot into the story that isn't going to continue past that film, which seems a bit pointless. And uh, I don't know. I didn't. I just thought the character was a bit too um, empty this time. Like in the original, the whole issue with him trying to find a family, you know, he wanted, he was a bit of a, a loner, but actually deep down, he really just wanted friends. And, and st- there, there was a lot of Fast and Furious we're family in that film. <laughs> but I think it worked because you, obviously you had the benefit of actually being able to bring all these people together. And so having Chris Pat as the the conduit for all of this stuff, this story to, to fall through, to go through, worked. Whereas in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, it was almost like surplus to requirements. If it wasn't for the whole ego storyline, then you could have made this film without... Chris Pratt in it, really. If it wasn't for Chris Pratt, the Guardians wouldn't have been there when Ego did his thing. True, but then you but had all the... They, 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 they just appeared in a plot. There was nothing to drive them towards it. Um, well, they were being chased, weren't they? And I think that's where you get all the stuff with Michael Rooker as Yondu and Rocket, who was voiced by Bradley Cooper. Those two together, that would... that was that, They I were think, the highlight of the film. Yeah, those two. Uh, Michael Rooker, as well. I think Michael Rooker stole that film. Followed yeah. very closely by Bradley Cooper as Rocket, and a whole film which was would have been based around, um, you know, they were stra- if they got stranded on the planet, for example, by being chased by this army of golden people, yeah. and the others went off to find help, and you were just left with Rocket, Baby Groot, Nebula, and Yondu together. Yeah, that would have been. I think I could have easily watched ninety minutes of that rather than a hundred. Well. How long was the film in the end? Two and a quarter hours. hours. Yeah. Two hours, 15 minutes of everything together, I think. What I really want to see on the DVD Mm. is the meeting where James Gunn talks to execs. He says, right, here's my plan. I'm going to make a credible villain out of Eagle and I'm going to make you actually care about Yondu. And watch (laughs) the execs go, we've made a huge mistake. (laughs) And then the meeting... Like where the, the lights go up at the end of the first showing, and everyone goes, My God, you actually did it. Mm. But because I, I, I went... think it worked because Michael Rooker is just, he's a good actor anyway. And so I think he was, he was perfect to try and turn that guy into a sympathetic character with Eric appearing schmaltzy. So it, they throw in a couple of lines to try and win you over, like about him being, you know, he was a slave and stuff. And you think, well, that's a bit weak, a weak effort, because there's no nothing beyond him just saying, I was a slave. Uh, you know, there's nothing to really make you care about that's, that part of his character. But at the same time, Michael Rooker's just, he just, he, he, he's such a charismatic guy. And so... Easy to uh, empathise with, I think. He just, I don't know, I just thought he was great. And and plus, you know, he, I genuinely get the impression he loves being a part of the Marvel movies and working with James Gunn. Because he, doesn't he turn up to all the Comic-Cons in the Yondu costume and all the makeup and everything? Wow, so, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, well, yeah. So, I mean, as well as that, the supporting characters really made this film for me. It was a. I thought Zoe Saldana as Gamora was okay. She's growing on me a lot, actually, from the Guardians films. But it was her and Karen Gillan um, as Nebula, the sister. Again, that was another interesting stuff. Mm. The I'm going to save a spoiler, but they had an excellent scene later on. Yeah, they they had they had plenty of excellent scenes together. I think, and some of the more touching moments came from them too. There's, there's a lot of actual heart in this film and a lot of bits of truth about how people relate with each other and with themselves. And it's about people who haven't challenged themselves discovering who they actually are and mm-hmm. what they used to be and how it's come to it. For a big, stupid, smashy, punchy fireworks film, there's a lot of bits made you go, oh, what? Mm. And actually connect with characters. Not go, that bit was cool, but actually think, that's a feeling that I share with a uh, uh, genetically altered uh, <laughs> raccoons. Yeah. Mm, definitely. How much of a spoiler do you think it is if I say Sylvester Stallone? I think it's known that he was in it. Because okay. I think his name turns up in the titles. Yeah. yeah. I think it's okay. How come how come this has never cropped up on the podcast before that Stallone was in Guardians of the Fucking Galaxy 2? How have we missed that? Or have we talked about it and I've just blanked it from my memory? Because I saw his name and I was like, fuck me, Stallone's it's just in a ca- this. It's just a cameo, really, isn't it? Uh, yeah, he gets like two two scenes, I think. Two it's, or three scenes. It, it was one of those weird little stories that was reported that, you know, he's Stallone will be in it but only for mm. one scene. Same as mm. Rob Zombie will be in it, but you won't see him. Oh, yeah. I was looking for Rob Zombie. Well, he's not, he, he, does, he does voice work, and he done voice work in the first one yeah. as well. Mm. Same mm. with everyone got excited about Nathan Fillon being the first one. Yeah. Same no. as every single famous person is a stormtrooper in the new Star Wars films. <laughs> but Ving Rhames is in this as a cameo, right? And Michelle yeah. Yeoh is in it as a cameo. Uh, I think I read Miley Cyrus as well. Oh god, I, I missed that, and I'm almost glad of it. More, more on some of those cameos in in spoiler alert. Sure, um, but, but yeah, what? it's just mm. it's just a fun film, isn't it? It's what you want from your kind of summer blockbuster. It's not really a superhero film, so not superheroes. There's people in space and aliens and stuff. It's Marvel it Star Wars. To, yeah, it is, and it's it's fun and it's enjoyable and it's funny and it's charming and it's just what you want from that kind of film is escapism i think that the 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 best thing about it is the characters right but also what they the the dialogue is crap basically it's exposition followed by quip and then exposition there there is a lot of i'll take exception there, there is a lot of I'm going to sit here and explain to you why I miss my wife and kid thing. And that kind of ground on my nerves a little bit. But I didn't... It was in no way a deal-breaker, I don't think. I I felt that in this film with these characters, that worked because they are so emotionally immature and they haven't had an opportunity in their life to discuss this with anyone that they have to do the basic... I feel this. Mm. It is a thing that I have. 
and I thought this is character. It's not cool writing. It's this is how these people can relate to the world in the simplest possible terms. I don't know. I found it a little bit grating. I mean, there's a point where Nebula and um, uh, Gamora are fighting and then they start sort of saying what they're doing. And I thought, this isn't necessary. You can you can see exactly what's happening in the scene. You know, leave some subtext. <laughs> just just don't don't have to narrate everything. If you leave um, subtext, you see, it, it invites film study students in 50 years' time <laughs> to start seeing things that aren't actually there. Yeah, hmm. that's true. Can I mention one character who I thought was completely superfluous as well? Uh, and again, only worked because other characters around her made her work, and that was Mantis. Um, didn't bring anything to the film for me except to be a foil to the point of Drax's jokes. Yeah, Drax. Mm. She was nothing character really. She was just there to to move the plot along when they when when they needed someone to tell them something. But even then, other they characters didn't know. already figured it out, right? Other people understood what was really going on. I don't, know, I don't know if they had. They, I think they kind of had, and I think mm. the worst... Oh, God, I can't can't say this bit till the spoiler alert. We'll, but keep, we'll keep this for the spoiler yeah. alert, then, and bear that in mind, whatever you were going to say. <laughs> yeah, because mm. there, there was a bit where I kind of went, okay, that was pointless. Mm. Uh, and it, it definitely it did involve her. Uh, it seemed to be f- forcing a, a thing between Rocket and Star-Lord. They don't see again. Get that on. was. I thought that was another example of not very good dialogue. Uh, not necessarily. Trash, Pan- exp- Trash Panda was funny. Yeah, but like you had them arguing, but they were clearly joshing with each other. And then Chris Pratt as Peter Quill either didn't sell it very well, or it was just a bit jarring. Where he suddenly turned around, "What is your problem?" I was like, "This is like halfway through the second film that, that we've spent <laughs> with these guys, and we know exactly why." Everyone says the things they do by now. It doesn't work for you to make your character suddenly forget that, oh, maybe I'm just nitpicking and it's fine. I don't know. No, I think that was definitely an element to it, but I don't know. Maybe mm. I just kind of was just sat back and just watched in awe. Maybe I need to go watch it again. Although <laughs> I have, you know, I, I've seen the film that I was going to go and see on my unlimited screening on Tuesday. So I might mm. go and see it again tomorrow night instead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I only have uh, two more points before. I know that we're running out of time again. We've got a spoiler alert today, but Sean Gunn as Craglin was great. Oh, he was very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was a bit worried to see him get in a boosted role, thinking, mm, is he just giving him more screen time because it's his brother? <laughs> um, but I think he, he had a lot yeah, to yeah. do and he did well. Yeah, he did really well. Didn't and I was he, glad. Didn't he also do the, uh, the morph suit work in the first one as Rocket? He did. Yeah, I think he did something in the. Else in the first. I think he I think he stands in as Rocket when right. they you know somebody when someone needs, needs to a be physical near presence. Him. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought Sean Gunn w- was very good, and I want to say as well. So, Baby Groot, what did you expect, and what did you get, with I, Baby Groot? I got exactly what I expected, and that was Baby Groot. Just fun. 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 I yeah, it was I, great. Yeah, I expected Groot, but shorter. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect to see Vin Diesel's name on the titles, I have to admit. I did sit there and think, how much have they paid this dude to come in and just <laughs> and, and have his voice synth down to a tiny child? Mm. But 
outside of you that. You assume they did it with Finn. He might be really good. Well, he might, might be. might be like when, when Rob Brighton, when Robert Brighton did a little man in a big box thing. <laughs> but yeah. uh, no, I just, I actually, I thought like for a completely CG'd tiny walking tree, <laughs> I thought he was really good. Yeah. I thought there was some fan, like, I'm, I'm going to say the sick scene, as I thought was the biggest laugh I got out of Baby Yeah. Um, but I I expected to be annoyed a little bit. I thought they were going to go for really cutesy baby Groot. I, that was my fear in the rating. intro. I, mm. I thought that, and I think that was all gone for me by the time him and Drax have shared the screen in the title sequence. Yeah. By the yeah. time that happened, I was like, okay, I yeah, I, I love you. Let's just carry on. Yeah. This is going to be great. You just roll with it. And it looks, It I think they got the look of him just... Brilliant yeah. as well. It was great to have the contrast of the original Groot and this Groot. Yeah. I thought the the change, although you know, is only kind of minor in a way. It it worked really well. It just set this film apart and gave it a bit more uh, to differentiate it from, rather than just like a retread of the same thing. But yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was very good. Okay. Before we do spoiler alert, we've got to do some recommendations. Oh, and I found out what you got watching from losing the quiz. Go on then. Right, so I've, I found an article from, from this week from Screen Rant that tells me the the worst Netflix original movies. Uh, okay. And there is one it's called... Well, the, some of the ones, surely. <laughs> no, this one is called The Most Hated Woman in America, and it's about a woman who was an anti-religious advocate who founded the American Atheists. Right. Okay. So that's what you got to watch. Is it a documentary? No. Oh, sort of a fictional it's a biopic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Most yeah, hated woman so... in America. Sounds quite interesting. Yeah, but according to this, it's an awful film. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah. Do you know I read something recently that Netflix? Are, did I say it on the podcast last week about Netflix are in one and a half billion dollars debt? Really? They just keep making shit that they can't afford. They just keep churning it out. In the hope, I do have to. I do have to wonder at some point where their model falls over. Well, they want to keep expanding internationally, and I think their idea is that the more they expand, the more money they'll recoup. Um, but actually, I don't think it works like that for Netflix. I think, you know, well, because no, there's, there's not a never-ending supply of people to subscribe. Sure, and also the fact that you just pay a certain amount per month, whatever's on there. Yeah, you know. And creating utter shit and giving Adam Sandler six million dollars to make four movies. Well, this they got is, no one but their fucking selves to blame, really, have they? Yeah. Are people <laughs> really gonna? I mean, how much money are they gonna make back? Are they gonna make six million dollars back on and more because they want to make a profit on Adam Sandler movies? But they have, they have their own movies. exclusive Will Smith film coming back end of the year. Mm. Anyway, let's <laughs> um, do recommendations and. Uh, I'm going to recommend uh, on Netflix, new to Netflix, or back on Netflix possibly, is Be Kind Rewind. I don't think I've ever seen that. No, I never watched it either. Is it actually really good? Yeah, it's good fun. Um, I mean- Saturday um, on BBC Two at 9pm is Nightcrawler with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal as an nice. ambulance chaser who starts to tamper with crimes to get the best footage to sell to TV stations. Adam, and what, I absolutely am not modelling my career on him. 9pm, uh, BBC Two. Oh, that's going to be cut to shit. 
Well, I think it's after Watershed, isn't it? 9pm it starts. So it might be, it might get away with it, unlike the... Uh, the like Guardians of the Galaxy. Galaxy. Yeah. And Brian? Fargo 3 is starting on US TV and is coming out at some point soon in British TV. I don't know where, I don't know what. But Fargo season 1 and 2 is still on Netflix. And they're both very good. Recommend watching season two before you watch season one. Mm, really? That's what I could do. Okay. And I, I didn't feel I suffered. I thought you got to go. Oh, there's the guy. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's only a little pile. But also, right? You know how the the Fargo opening crawl says this is a true story. Mm-hmm. Fargo season three starts with this is a true story, and then truth fades away. Because this is a story. <laughs> yeah, it, very clever. I mean, I am excited, like. It's the first two aren't as good as season two or season one, mm-hmm. but I'm quite excited by where it could possibly go because it's also got the strangest cold open to a show I can think of. And um, Brooker, uh, so mine will be on the Horror Channel Saturday night, Saturday morning actually. So it's Friday night, two fifteen a.m. is Brandon Cronenberg's. Dark uh, satirical horror antiviral. I was given that as a secret Santa once from work. Have you watched still it? Not, nice time watching it. I know, I know a couple of yeah. people that said it was really shit. I fucking yeah. adored it. I absolutely loved it. And I, we were talking about, I don't know how we got into talking about the Cronenbergs and things, but uh, we were talking about it for about 10 mm. minutes. I went, we don't own antiviral. So then I bought it and then it came on the fucking horror channel. <laughs> Yeah. Always. Is it about bad blood? No. No, it's right. about uh, celebrities who, when they get ill, have their illnesses harvested and sold to fans. I'm pulling your face of horror. It's fucking <laughs> grim, but it's so good. Okay, so that's our recommendations done. Uh, for those of you not continuing with spoiler alert, thank you all for listening. And join us again next week where Owen won't tell me what's happening because he can't remember. That's true. <laughs> there you go. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening. Time now for spoiler alert where we look at Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 in more detail and uh, giving away plot spoilers. So if you haven't seen the film and don't want it ruined, stop listening now. Um, or this is officially the, known as the Matt Lamborn warning. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Because that that will never get old. Yeah. Why why is it the Matt Lamborn warning, Steve? Because I think it was Iron Man Three where he hadn't seen it, but he carried on listening to Spoiler <laughs> Alert. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Our lesson from the Mandarin. <laughs> the, like the worst twist in the Marvel movie universe to actually be spoiled for you, and that was the one mm. you stuck around for. Yeah, so anyway, uh, Guardian Galaxy Volume 2, we already said how much we like the film, we've already talked about how much we like the film and the performance. Uh, so, where do we want to start? I suppose, I suppose Kurt Russell's ego being 
Peter Quill's dad and also killing his mum. With a brain cancer. Yes. Yes. With I mean, a brain a lot, cancer. If you're if you're <laughs> gonna kill her, there's a lot nicer ways you could do it, especially when you're some kind of all knowing, all powerful celestial being who's actually a planet. Like you could do that in a much nicer way. Maybe that's the point though to prove that just how much of a cunt that thing is. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, when I got Guardians, the first one on Blu ray, I put it in and I forgot that it starts in the hospital. Yeah. It is pretty grim. That, that was absolutely brutal to mm-hmm. start off with. And then when when Eagle drops it in the second one, oh, I was even a cancer. He's like, you fuck, no wonder Quill mm-hmm. shot him to pieces, you fucking dick. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was angry at that bit I was expecting it but I expected it in a you know Dr. Manhattan sort of he's accidentally yeah it happened given because her. it happened yeah not not I did this <laughs> because he's a, a space being like a, a demigod who's just shagged a mortal because, and not the because consequences he's are space yeah. douche yeah not because he did it on purpose because he just thought the best way to not return to Earth again would be to just kill the one thing that want, makes him want to go back. It's not you, it's me. I give you brain cancer. Sorry. Mm. It's a bit different to um, uh, who his dad is in the comics. Who's his, who's his dad in the comics, then, Steve? Uh, Jason of Spartax. Oh, yeah. Tax. Yeah, he's, a, he's an emperor. Cole's got a step system. It's not tremendously important or interesting. He's space royalty. But leading leading on to, to that then, um, and who Ego is, who Kurt Russell is, it leads on to Yondu and why he didn't take um, Peter Quill straight to his dad and basically hid him from him in the end because he found out what Ego was up to, which was basically killing all of his kids. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome because it kind of made Yondu insta-good guy. Yep. Doesn't yeah. matter what he'd done and before. When, when, when Peter Quill was saying to him, but you kept telling me you were going to eat me. <laughs> I was yeah, joking. I was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was joking. I'm not going to eat you. <laughs> you know, it turned out that Yondu was actually a, a father figure for him. Mm. And Yondu has easily the best scene in that entire film as well. Where are you talking about... Because I'm thinking of three things. I thought about his, talking, him and his arrow. The, right. I was, yeah. My first thought was the death scene mm-hmm. because you feel it coming and you go but there'll be a rescue won't there because that's what happened in the original right was, was it, yeah, they float yes. into space and he puts the helmet on him and that's it what and then this? the rabbit just comes there was some motherfucker cutting onions in that cinema man I'm telling you <laughs> but, he's, but the mask was broken wasn't it we can do that you saw yeah. earlier and yeah. he was holding it as so I, I thought the other one you're talking about the best scene would be the I'm Mary fucking Poppins. Oh, that yes. was awesome. Which is also I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> the other film, I, the other scene I loved, and it didn't really have Yondu in it, was, was the whole Taser Face one. That yeah. got kind of boring. Everything about that Taser Face scene was... Oh, yeah. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. The insults were just great. What was it? What was your second choice? Scrotum head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, un- and unfortunately... Uh, Yondu bites the bullet in this one after being one of the best things in the film 
So I'm unfortunately not going to see him in the future by looks. Yeah, that that sucks a lot because they've done a really good job of making him a really cool, mm. likable good guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did not expect that. No, me uh, so that's, that's that's where Sly Stallone's character comes in. Well, apparently so I heard that there's going to be an actual Ravagers movie potentially. Well, the the, the end the the one of the post credit scenes was, was some of the Ravagers forming a team and apparently I'm not an expert that is the original Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. pre-Star-Lord that's the 1970s mm-hmm. Guardians yeah um, which John do within which is, that yeah yeah um, but you know it's, so that brings in Slice Stallone's character because the Ravagers have some kind of code and because he he was Yondu was take, taking kids for ego, their one of their rules is you don't deal in children. That's obviously what he was doing, um, but he was doing it for a, a different purpose in the end as well with with Star Lord. Um, is the Raptor film going to be a full feature or one of these ten minute DVD extras? What about the one shot things? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think they've even confirmed exactly what it's going to be. They've just said I think because Stallone signed up to a, a multiple movie deal. Um, as you know, they always do with Marvel, um, and I think the James Gunn is basically now in charge of Marvel for the next ten years. Uh, will be after Avengers mm. three. I mean, there's not much in this film that really ties into the larger Marvel cinematic universe. Well, there was quite a, uh, a noted lack of any Thanos stuff. Yeah, yeah, there was there was no Thanos stuff other than perhaps a mention from Gamora and Nebula. No, no, no Infinity Stone stuff. No. Mm-hmm. No infinity stone. I, I mean, I even thought when when Ego was trying to do his weird thing of taking over planets and that blob thing happened, I thought we'd get a, a cameo of one of the Avengers there. Yep, that's what I thought was going to happen. It. I thought exactly I was assuming, the same thing. I was assuming we'd see one of them just trying to do something there, but that didn't happen. Or even um, like a nod towards a planet Hulk, you know, because that's if you, if you've seen the new thought was Brian, you. Um, Described the trailer for us in a little cameo a couple of weeks back, but like, okay. yeah. So the the I was half expecting maybe a nod and a wink towards Planet Hulk. Uh, because, I thought that'd be one of the stingers, but no. Yeah, because I watched the Planet Hulk animated movie again the other day, and in that you see Gamora in the crowd. She's actually watching Hulk as a gladiator, and I thought, oh, so there's a little. There's like a tie in there, so possibly, and then the, yeah, nothing. But you know, so I, you know, I'm a little bit disappointed, I guess, but at the same time, mostly grateful that it wasn't just another exercise in moving towards oh. another sort of, you know, bringing together of all these heroes for a, a big it, blockbuster. It was a story in and of its own right, and not part three or four. Or it was a. Uh... Was it self-contained? It was a self-contained film. Exactly. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, we did have a few things. I mean, there's five, a mammoth five credit scenes. Um, so we've spoken about one, which was Sliced Stone, Sliced Stone original Guardians as, as Ravagers. Um, we had um, Teen Groot. Teen Groot. We had Teen Groot, which is very funny. Um, but again, not tying into anything. We had Craglin and learning how to use the whistle thing and stabbing Drax in the chest. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> that was yeah. really funny. 
Um, well, was there two others. So there was the yeah, other Stanley. one. Kind of, there was Stanley talking Stanley to, the to the Watchers. Um, and, um, and then there was, was um, yeah, Adam Warlock, mm-hmm. which is strange because he he was you know teased in the first Guardians of the I, Galaxy. I film. don't know what Adam Warlock is. He's a he's a warlock called Adam. Cheers, mate. <laughs> there you go. Helpful as ever. <laughs> <laughs> Big super cosmic threats. Yeah. He's not. I'm not particularly interested in him, but I know lots of folks who are. And but then Cosmo was teased in the first one as well, and he was only in the credits for this one, I think. Cosmo is Soviet uh, cosmonaut yeah. dog who mm-hmm. is speaking telepathically in pig Russian. No, yeah, he was in the credits, but that was it. So yeah, again, we we kind of know that Adam Warlock's going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy three. We doesn't tie. I mean, is it, is it a good thing that it's not tying into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I think it's quite good. I mean, one little thing in the in the teasers, in the in the post credits might have been fine, but in general, it, it's quite good to have one that doesn't link in in any in, in any way. Yep. I agree. Mm-hmm. You know it's going to. Otherwise, at some point when they all smash in together, it's just going to be far too yeah. much. Mm-hmm. A, a credit scene would have been good, I think. Well, they plainly, as Avengers: Infinity War is plainly going to be Avengers plus Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Because how else would you do it? Plus, also Doctor Strange. They made it work in Civil War. All these characters together, but now there's even more of them. I, I don't know how they're going to do it. <laughs> Everyone's going to have a tiny bit to do. It's going to have to be like two two separate films running within each other. But anyway, uh, Howard the Duck, he was back. Yeah, he was. Mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was there. I don't think you, um, could, you couldn't have Guardians 2 without him being in it. Just, all you needed yeah. was what he got, was just a, a, you know the tiniest of comedy cameos. But it made it was such a big deal that he appeared in the first one. That you couldn't not have him in the second. I, I just think that the, the the plot was a bit weak and the villain was a bit weak. The plot didn't happen in the first third of the film. No, mm-hmm. no, like, it, was it was just let to spend some time with these guys for a bit. And the the, and the villain was a bit crap. I mean, he was apocalypse I mean, levels of crap. Ronan the Accuser, I thought, was was quite decent because it was he was playing himself off against Thanos. But he was also an out. He was a villain in his own right. He had his own motives. He he seemed quite threatening. He seemed quite threatening. He seemed quite a big. Well, he was only uh, he was only anti Thanos because he wanted to basically be Thanos, didn't he? He just wanted well, to yeah. rule the galaxy. But well, yeah, but he was he you know he had he had his own army. He seemed more of a threat than what Ego did to me. But um, mm, I mean. Ego himself wasn't threatening. I think that's the only problem. I mean, what he wanted to do was he was justifying it as, well, you know, life is meaningless. It has no point, so I'm just going to destroy it all. Whereas to... um, well, no, he wasn't going to de- necessarily destroy He just wanted it to become him, right? And he, that's what he was going to do. But at the, at, with um, Ronan the Accuser, he was just basically a guy with a big hammer. So a massive but, space racist. A massive space racist, yeah. So the and also you had the direct thing of well he killed Drax's family, so there's an added bit of well so he is quite a threatening, dangerous character, 
Whereas a lot of with Kurt Russell's um, thing was all just kind of understated. He's okay. Something isn't quite right here. Nobody flies a massive spaceship like that and leads people to paradise and has no ulterior motive. Um, and also, you know, you had the whole thing with Mantis and, and things like that. But but I think the the main threat was supposed to come. I keep forgetting the, the bloody character's name, so I haven't said it once. Isn't yet. that Anya or Arya or something uh, like that? Aisha, Gold, Aisha, golden right. bitch. Yes, gold, gold, yeah, her. <laughs> she, um, <clears throat> excuse me. She, I think, was possibly meant to be the, the big bad, right? Because yeah, she was not threatening at but all. She wasn't. She was with, with um, her fucking arcade room of uh, spaceships. Yeah, although there were a couple of laughs that came from that, like the guy who was thought he was going to kill <laughs> the guy that the, sucked. And then, you know, Drax just shot at the back of the spaceship with his rope <laughs> attached and his gun. <laughs> that that was quite funny. That was but, good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I went looking for afterwards. She was the baddie in The Man from Uncle. I thought, I know I recognise you, but you're a bit too gold for me to recognise. Yeah. Also I, thought it's Man from Uncle. I thought they were quite boring to look at as well. I know it's just all one solid colour, but there wasn't a lot going on with them. And the bit where they were rolling out the carpet for her. Was that supposed was to be funny? Her. Yeah, that's what I thought. When it, kind of, when it stopped and then suddenly it didn't stop anymore. So it looks like that, it's being that. played for laughs. Actually, Is it just to show that they're was. actually a bit fallible? Like they're not the perfect beings they're pretending to be? Is no, that it? that was a joke. But that scene really annoyed me because it was Yondu walks out of a bar and sees someone and turns around and sees someone else. Mm-hmm. Plot has progressed enough. End scene. <laughs> you could have done that better. Yeah. Like, do one of them, but not two. Especially when you can see how far they've come along for him to just bump into her. And I, I just did, it's a you know perennial problem with Sylvester Stallone, but I struggled to understand what he was saying. See, so that. many people say that. I don't think I've ever had a problem understanding how Sylvester Stallone talks. I just no. don't get it. I don't get how it's an issue. Well, they just faced each other and shouted, and you know, a he was shouting, and b I didn't didn't quite make out everything he was was saying. Um, which I think, yeah, okay, fair enough. It might just be me. Maybe it was just bad. I mean, I know he does kind of yell with his palsy face, but I don't. I've never had a problem understanding him, like in anything. Hmm. It's just. But I know so many people that have. I just yeah. don't get it. I, I do have a problem with him doing that. In uh, not necessarily when he was younger. I think now he struggles a bit more, and I think it, it's the same in the Expendables films. I mean, sometimes it. Well, to be fair, the Expendables films are filled with people that yell like that. Yeah, big. And it, it's a nuisance because mm. the, the dialogue is the best part of the Expendables films. You're missing so much. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, do we want to spoil anything else? Anything else needs any discussion? Yeah, Yondu's arrow is better than Darth Vader in Rogue One. Mm. Yes. That's the only do thing I could think of the entire time I was watching it, going, this blows Rogue One Darth Vader out of the water. Mm. Sorry, Steve. Mm. <laughs> right, I I mentioned a bit about uh, Nebula and uh, yes, yeah, yeah. I... Right. The film takes a large group and it pairs people off. So you get Yondu and Rocket, you get Drax and Mantis, you get Gamora and Nebula, you get Quill and his dad. And each one explores who the characters are, where they've been and where they want to go to. And the bit when they're doing the Gamora and Nebula are fighting and Nebula just shouts out, I just wanted a sister! It's like, Aww. 
<laughs> like, this this could have been different for you, it could have been better for you, and I want to see how this family, because Gamora yeah. uh, is now part of the family, Garden of Galaxy, how you progress. The bit with Drax and Mantis where he's developing like emotional awareness, and he says something that's moderately profound and wouldn't be out of place in a, a, a more serious film about um, people who are beautiful never know that they're truly loved. Mm-hmm. It's the people who are ugly, but you can see the beauty on the inside. Oh, yeah. Which then the undercut when he says, well, yeah, which, which is played you, for you are beautiful to me. <laughs> beautiful on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. I said, what the, the, I'm imagining of... you and me together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> I was in fucking bits. It was horrible, but I was in bits. Oh, it, it was, um, I think I found, I might have found the bit where I was the only one in the cinema who, or the one who laughed the loudest in the cinema. And it's a bit where um, Ego talks about building his body. And Drax says, did you make a penis? And he says, yes, Drax, I got a penis. It's not <laughs> bad either. <laughs> I, I think I, people laughed and then there was me. <laughs> there was a, yeah. another bit that worked quite well, which was um, when Nebula was explaining to Kraglin what she was going to do next. And he said, I just thought you might buy like a scarf or something nice and girly. <laughs> buy a nice hand, the girls go, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> buy a nice necklace. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm thinking I really need to go watch it again. Do you think though on a repeat repeat viewing all those like the non-stop Drax jokes are gonna great second time round? I've got a feeling they are. I hope not, because I thought he was great and I really enjoyed most of his jokes. I liked watching the first one on DVD. Mm. Okay. Anyway. Um, that is, is now it for this week's Fail Critics Podcast. Um, so thank you for listening to this extended version with Spoiler Alert. I hope you enjoyed listening. And we'll be back next week with me and Owen and some films. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.